A specially appointed committee known as the Public Buildings Reform Board has the task of expediting the sale of billions of dollars worth of federal buildings. It has its first meeting today, and for how it's chartered and how it's going to work, board member and former federal procurement policy chief Angela Stiles. Ms. Stiles, good to have you back. Thank you for having me here. All right. This was something that was congressionally mandated, correct? It was. was Tell us about the committee. So it was passed uh, in legislation in 2016. It's the Federal Asset Sale and Transfer Act, bipartisan legislation signed by President Obama. It's taken a while to get our uh, board members in place. So we were actually just sworn in May 1st, and this will be our first public meeting. And what is the specific charter of this board? To reduce the cost of federal real property. Uh, We have a lot of tools. We have a lot of authority to put property, about $7 million of federal property, up for sale. Yes, over the next six years. And, well, golly, what about the GSA? How do they play into this? That's supposed to be their bailiwick. It is. I think there's a lot of uh, there. There are a lot of statutes. There's a lot of rules. There's a lot of regulations that have been in place that really uh, inhibit their ability to put property on the market. This this statute and our board's authority really takes away most of those barriers to getting property to market fairly quickly, which is something that GSA hasn't had. They're actually um, in charge with OMB of making recommendations uh, to us to improve the process, but also specific properties to put up for sale. So they'll identify what is for sale, and then the board will see to it that it gets sold? Uh, No, it's actually kind of the opposite. So they make some recommendations. We actually decide what is sold. Um, OMB improves it. In fact, in the next four and a half months, we have to come up with our first list of recommendations and have them approved by OMB and go ahead and get them to market and up for sale. It's uh, high-value assets that we're going to be looking at. We have to come up with at least five properties between $500 million and $750 million in aggregate total to go ahead and get on the market. So they want an early win with this. Let's back up just a moment. Who are some of the other board members? So we have a former member of Congress, Nick Rahal, uh, from West Virginia. We have Mary Phillips, uh, who used to work at the Department of Transportation, has a lot of infrastructure experience. Uh, we have David Winstead, who's a former public buildings commissioner. Sure. And we have Talmadge Hoker, who's from Kentucky and has been in the real estate industry for a long time. All right. And how will the board go about identifying those properties? I mean, there have been different buildings and sites that have come up from time to time. So agencies have made recommendations. We have a list of those recommendations. Uh, There's the Federal Real Property Database. We have authority to go look around and ask agencies for more information. We have authority to divide up those properties as well. So if you have a big piece of land with just one building in the middle of it, we can sell the land around it. We can recommend that be done. We can come up with incentives for the agencies. Uh, There's a three-year leaseback authority. Um, We also have the authority to work with state and local governments on zoning, which is a really important piece of this. And so the value of a property increases when you're able to make an arrangement with state and local governments about how the property will be zoned once it's no longer federal property. Sure. And do you have a budget to maybe fly somewhere and take a look at a place? We do. We Right now, we have $5 million in our budget to pay for us as to well to pay for contractors and to hold public hearings. So uh, we have a good budget to get started on this. Sure. And at today's meeting, what is happening? We are just starting off with the history and the background. So we have the current PBS commissioner, Dan Matthews, who was responsible for drafting this legislation when he was on the Hill. Uh, We have GAO because they do play a role in this. They're going to be speaking. We have several people from federal agencies, some of the large federal agencies that are going to speak about 
the properties that they've been assessing, the, the problems that they've been having, having, how this will help them. We also have somebody from the National Law Center on Homelessness and Poverty uh, because that's a big piece of this. If some of the first properties actually don't go through McKinney-Vento, which is making the properties available for the homeless so we could get those out there. And they agreed to this. They agreed that uh, the initial properties going on the market without that made sense as long as the later properties were available for them. We're speaking with Angela Stiles. She is a member of the Public Buildings Reform Board, former federal procurement policy chief, and also you're with Aiken Gump these days, right, I as am, an attorney. Yes, yes. And let me ask you this. Often, to use the example of Veterans Affairs, is gets dinged for how much excess property it has. Very often, it's a bunch of garages or sheds. It's pieces and bits of stuff they can sell, maybe not as so much as a piece of real estate, but a piece of physical property. Are there that many whole buildings worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the federal government that are simply unused? Not that many. Um, A lot of it is inefficiency um, in terms of you've got field offices all over the place that you could consolidate into one particular location, leases that you can consolidate into own buildings or own buildings that you could sell and actually, you know, use leased property uh, more cost efficiently. There also are lots. There's pieces of land. There's land around buildings that can be sold. Um, there's a whole lot of different permutations of it, and it's actually quite hard to get a handle on what all is available, what's the most valuable, how can we how can we do this? Because there's always a debate over whether the government should lease, which gives them a lot of flexibility to move in and out, versus owning a whole building. But on the other hand, many of the long-term leases are expensive and really not all that economic. How do you balance that? Well, it's, it's an interesting thing to balance because it also can be more efficient. So some of our older federal buildings, the cost of actually running them, the energy, um, the you know repair to those buildings is extraordinarily expensive. And, and if you actually put it out there for private sector development, recognizing all the historical aspects of some of these buildings, you may be better off in many instances actually leasing something that's much more um, efficient rather than maintaining those long-term costs over years and years. Or the government can issue long-term leases. I hate to mention it, but the Trump Hotel is an example of something that at the time seemed pretty innovative. Right. And there's actually more of those going on as well. So there's 99, you know, you can they can have 99-year leases. And um, some of those really help redevelop historic properties. So we'll be looking at that too. And what about the Defense Department, which might be the biggest treasure trove of all of of redevelopable and saleable property? Well, actually, our legislation does not include the Defense Department. So uh, the Defense Department and overseas are not within our jurisdiction. Too bad, because you could get to a billion dollars in a hurry that way. Oh, yes, we could. But but that's okay. I think there's a lot that can be done with the civilian property within the continental United States. And what's your sense of how much of this property potentially for sale or releasing or whatever is in the national capital region versus the rest of the country, which is probably, I'm guessing, where the greater amount of it is. You know, surprisingly, there's only a few properties that are popping up in our review in the national capital region. A lot of them are kind of in the more um, other areas, California, New York, those areas. Um, Other areas, you know, larger population areas is what we're going to be taking a look at. So we're planning on holding hearings in some of those larger population areas as we move forward as well to really better, better understand what the impact of consolidation or the impact of selling a piece of property would be um, the value that we can get for the property as well. That's a critical piece of this is like how can we, when we put this to market, actually increase the value of the, what you're going to get back in proceeds. Now, those proceeds go to the Treasury. I mean, that's where money goes into the government. How can you incentivize an agency? We actually, in our legislation, we have a special fund where the proceeds go. 
And so we'll be able to use that special fund going forward to incentivize the agencies, whether it's repairing, you know, properties that are in disrepair. Um, you could take something like a job core center, right? And you could, you know, put those proceeds towards making sure that it's a fully functional job core center as opposed to, you know, having lots and lots of them with lots of property where they're all falling apart. Sure, because a lot of properties are, I mean, the government is there for the long term, but they're in terrible condition. And you're looking to improve morale, improve operations. Sometimes that requires money to gut and rebuild. So there, there might be some augmented money for those types of purposes and from the sales. That's right. And moving people out. I mean, just finding new space, moving people, getting you know the people and the computers and everything else moved from one place to another costs money and it takes time. Sure. And how will the sales take place? Will there be local agents or will the government act as its own selling agent? How does that all work? Uh, we haven't gotten there yet. I think they'll be quite similar, actually, to the sales you've seen in the past. So the sales are going to be generally run by the agencies that own the property and GSA. And so I think you'll see them. We're going to have some other, you know, innovative, I think, suggestions for increasing the value, which we'll put into our recommendations for each of the properties. But generally, it'll be a similar process as before. So is this board actually a federal agency? And what is the timeline for it? It's a unique um, entity. It's an independent federal agency. So we're not attached to any other particular agency. We're not attached to GSA or OMB or any other place. And we are authorized for six years. And will there be a website? Yes, we are. It's a little hard when you start up a brand new federal agency, but we have authorization for PRBR, Public Buildings Reform Board, but just those initials, .gov. We just got that. So we'll get that up and running as soon as we can. So you might be able to give up law and take up realty. That's right. That's right. (laughs) A whole new area. Angela Stiles is a member of the Public Buildings Reform Board, and she's also former Office of Federal Procurement Policy Chief and now a lawyer at Aiken Gump. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you very much. We'll have a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. (coughs) Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.